Good morning. I'd like to extend a welcome to everyone here uh, following on from Ben. And uh, the kids, thank you very much for leading the service this morning. We are finally at the last chapter of Romans. This is it, people. We've nearly finished this series. So we're going to need to talk about what series we do next and what we look at from here on in. But I've really enjoyed working through the book of Romans. I trust you have too. I often feel a little bit guilty that uh, as I explore the text and work through a book, I am blessed far more than anyone else because I have to dig through it and stuff. And it's such an honour to be able to do that on your behalf. But I do trust that you've been blessed as we work through this book uh, and through this series. Today is a funny one because if you're anything like me, when you get to the last chapter of, of a letter that Paul has written, it kind of is the greetings chapter. It's kind of the chapter that for me I skip over, or not skip over because that would be wrong. I skim through and just do a surface glance because it's kind of like Paul says, hey, say good day to such and such. Make sure that you pass on my thanks to this person over here. Remember that person, say, let them know I said good day. And you kind of get through, and it's kind of that wrapping up, isn't it? And yet, if you do that, especially in this chapter, there's little bits of nuggets that you miss. And I'm really excited that I got the opportunity to delve into it, because there's bits in this chapter that I've never seen before. And so uh, I hope for you guys it's a blessing as well. So before we start, shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word. And I want to thank you for what Paul has written in the book of Romans here and the blessing that it is for us. Lord, this morning as we explore this last chapter and as we revise what we've learned, may you speak to our hearts. May you bless each and every one of us. And may we walk out of here a little more joyful than we came because we can see your goodness at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we jump into that, let's summarise a little bit because this is the last of the series. So the book of Romans is Paul's most complete writing on the gospel. And in fact, he actually refers to this as his gospel. And he says, don't let anyone change anything that's in my gospel. This is my gospel. And we know that the word gospel meaning good news and in the context here, the good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul is saying, the book of Romans is my story, is the good news about Jesus Christ. And it's the most complete in one letter that we have. And so it's a fundamentally important book or important letter that we need to explore. And we need to remember that it is all about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus Christ. He, it's almost like he he divides a line in the sand and he says, what I'm writing about and from here on in is the new covenant. From here on in, we are in Jesus Christ. We are no longer a part of the old covenant. We are in the new covenant. And for us as readers, for us as people who live in the new covenant, it's important that we recognize the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the covenant we live in. We don't live under the old covenant and nor are we to mix the two covenants but we are to clearly divide them and walk in that. And that is what Paul has done here in the book of Romans. Is he's divided the covenants and he said, you people from here on in, all people who have faith in Jesus Christ, you live in this covenant, which is the good news of Jesus Christ. The book of Romans reveals the power of God to salvation. Remember in Romans 1, 
I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power unto salvation. It is the power unto salvation. The power of God is not revealed in miracles, is not revealed in healings, is not revealed in prophetic words, although we can see it. The power of God is revealed in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ unto salvation. The power of God is revealed. And let's just read that in Romans 1 to ensure that we get that right because it's fundamentally important. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation. The power of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ revealed. And that's really important because it actually reveals His power and the way that we walk into salvation. And salvation actually means to rescue, it means to safety, it means to have deliverance, wholeness, uh, health, blessing, healing, wisdom, discernment, overcoming, some of all benefits and blessings that Christ has given us. It is salvation all-encompassing. It is not being saved solely from hell or a ticket into heaven. It is all of those things encapsulated in the here and now. It is the power of God into those things that we just spoke about. That is salvation. And the gospel reveals the power of God unto it. The book of Romans reveals the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. We no longer have any condemnation in Jesus Christ. We no longer have to conform to the ways of the world in Jesus Christ. We no longer have to subject ourselves to the rules and the laws of the past, for we have complete and absolute freedom in Jesus Christ. This is the good news of Jesus Christ. It reveals our identity, and thank you, Ben, for reading out uh, that list. Wasn't it good to hear the list of who we are? That's our identity. That's who we are now in Jesus Christ. You know, our identity is no longer and never ever will be again as a sinner. We are not defined as sinners, but we are defined by him and what he has done for us and what he has given to us. It reveals the power. The book of Romans reveals the power we have in Christ. And we're going to look at that a little bit more today. Even creation, Romans 8, even creation awaits for us to realize who we are in Jesus Christ. It groans for us to grow in our understanding of who we are in Jesus Christ, Romans says, for the power that is in us. We can speak unto salvation. Our words have power. Christ spoke creation into being and we are made in his image and the words that we speak can either speak life or they can speak death. And for people who are in Jesus Christ, when our words align with the purpose of the Father in heaven, we speak life and we speak blessing and we can change things. That's in Romans 10. And so all of this stuff, it reveals the essentials in the kingdom of God, Romans 14. For the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy. And that speaks again about what we have, what he has given us and who we are. The book of Romans is just a book that really in many ways not only reveals who Jesus Christ is, but it reflects a mirror back onto us so that we can see who we are and our new identity that we have in Jesus Christ. And that is exciting 
And I come back to Romans 8, and even creation is awaiting for us to rise up, to comprehend, to understand the identity that we have. And so with that, we now move into Romans chapter 16, this final chapter. And I'm just going to look at a few verses here, and I'm going to start with Romans 17. Romans chapter 16, verse 17. Now I urge you, brethren, note those who cause divisions and offences contrary to the doctrine which you learned and avoid them. We all know people who get under our skin, don't we? Who annoy us. We know that in the churches there are people who just, you go, really? We know that's not who Paul's talking about. You know, look around and you see someone and you go, oh, just they irk me. Paul's not talking about them. Paul is talking about people who come in specifically with the idea to divide and conquer. That's what Paul's talking about. So if there's someone here who irks you, forgive them, love them, move on, get over it. Right? That's all I'm going to say about that. But Paul here is saying those people who come in specifically to bring division. Paul is saying those people who specifically try and offend and who speak contrary to the doctrine which you have learned, avoid them. Those people who actually don't belong to the kingdom of God, but they're out for their own purposes, he says, avoid them. In verse 18 it says, For those who are such do not serve your Lord Jesus Christ. So they're actually not a part of the kingdom. They're not in Jesus Christ. Don't Who do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly... And by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. So those people who are out there for their own purposes, their own good, who are not a part of Jesus Christ, but are doing things for their own benefit, he's saying avoid them. And yet sometimes it's difficult to do, isn't it? Because Paul specifically says they come with flattering speech. They come telling you how good you are. They say, Grant, hey, you know what? Or they'll say, Ben, you know, you're great, you're really good, but that Grant... You know, he's a bit of a, just don't listen to him, don't believe him. Well, that's sunny. Wow, really? You know, they come in and they'll, they'll build you up and they'll tear other people down to cause divisions. And it's easy to get sucked into it, isn't it? Because you go, yeah, no, I am good, aren't I? Yeah, 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 they're not as good as me. And it's really important that we don't buy into it and we actually go, do you know what? I'm not, not going to be a part of that game because we need unity. Okay. Uh, for those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, so, oh, by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. They serve themselves. Verse 19, and this is what I want to dig into. For your obedience has become known to all. Now, when we talk about obedience in the New Testament, we're not talking about obedience to law. We're not talking about obedience to doing things. We're actually talking about obedience to faith. And we'll see that further down. Obedience to faith. And so you walk by faith, not by sight. You're not being obedient to things which you believe you have to do in the past. You're actually resting in Christ. And as he reveals things, you're being obedient to him. And so Paul is saying, your obedience has become known to all. Therefore, I am glad on your behalf. But I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. 
I want you to be wise in what is good and simple concerning evil. This passage here actually connects back, all the way back to Genesis, where Eve was walking through the garden and stumbled upon a serpent who said, Hey, why aren't you eating of this tree? And Eve says, Because God says we will surely die. And the serpent says, You will not surely die if you eat of this, but you will become like God, knowing both good and evil. And Eve saw that it looked good to eat, and so she ate it and gave some to Adam. And their eyes were opened to both good and evil. And in the process of that, sin entered the world and everything shifted. And even creation became subjected, which is why it's waiting for us to rise up. And here Paul is saying, yes, our eyes have been opened to both good and evil. But he's saying, I want you to become wise. And we know our wisdom comes from Jesus Christ. I want you to be wise in what is good and pay no attention to what is evil. Do not go about trying to understand it. Do not comprehend it. But just leave it there and focus on what is good. And we know goodness comes from Jesus Christ. So look to him. I liken it, as many of you know, I'm a cyclist. I, I, I ride a fair bit. When you're riding a bike, and it's the same as a motorbike, so I've been told, and you're coming around a corner, you might be at high speed, and you're coming around a corner, and there's an obstacle in the road that you need to avoid. If you look at that obstacle, and you focus, and you're going, must miss that obstacle, but your eyes are focused on the obstacle, do you know where you go? Straight to the obstacle. So as you come down, and you're coming around a corner, it takes a lot of discipline it's quite difficult on the bike. You have to focus to where the edge of the corner is. Know where the obstacle is, but look to where you want to go and how you exit the corner. And as you do, the bike will follow where you look. And that's what Paul is saying. Look to the good things. Look to the things of Jesus Christ and do not look to that which is evil. But be simple in that regard and focus your attention upon the good, upon the God, upon Jesus Christ. And then in verse 20, it goes on and it says, and, and, in fact, the better word, the better rendering for this is, is moreover, or despite that, God will still. So, moreover, the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So moreover, the God of peace will. This is a promise. This is not a dependent upon the previous statement of make sure you concentrate on the good. And if you do that, then God will. This is a moreover or even still God will. Despite you, God will. It is a promise that is not dependent on whether or not because too many people have actually come and spoken and said, if you are good enough, if you work hard enough, then God will. But the book of Romans is all about him and what he has done and what he will do. And it is, despite you, the God of peace will. It is a promise of what God is going to do. And this is an exciting promise. And this is something that for me... Uh, 
there's aspects of this verse that I never fully comprehended because as I said, I've kind of just skimmed over this chapter. Moreover, the God of peace will crush Satan. It's funny how Paul juxtaposes the God of peace with the destruction, isn't it? The God of peace will crush. You see, but peace is not the absence of conflict. You see, peace, the God of peace is the one who gives you quietness in yourself. The God of peace allows you to be at rest, to be at one. He is the one who gives you security and safety and harmony between beliefs, thoughts and actions and by implication prosperity in all things. He gives you security in knowing that what you are doing is right and just. Knowing you are doing the right thing in the right way at the right time. To be sure of your convictions and know that you can stand strong in them. And moving through any conflict with a surety. See, he is the God of peace who allows you when everything is coming against you to stand firm because he is your rock. And you go, what I am doing is from him and I can stand in the midst of this. And as everything else is being washed away and as everything comes against you, you have a peace and a stillness in you. The God of peace will the God of peace, the God who gives you that assurity, who gives you that rest, who gives you that oneness. He will crush Satan under your feet, surely. Will crush. Let's focus on the words will crush. He will do it. It's a promise that what he will do, not something you do, he will do it. The word crush, or in your versions might actually say bruise, is to break into pieces, to crush completely, to shatter, to break into shards, to tear one's body and shatter one's strength. Here, literally, it's talking about to break the power of the dominion of the powers of the principality of Satan. It's talking about the destruction of the plans that he has to destroy. We can again link this back to Genesis 3, 15. After Adam and Eve have eaten of the fruit of the knowledge of fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that they were tempted to do so, and their eyes were opened to good and evil. And here the father Yahweh is walking in the garden and he speaks to the serpent, speaks to Satan, and he says, I'll put a nimnity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. And we know that that has been fulfilled on the cross, do we not? And again, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 15, it says, Having disarmed the principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. On the cross, Satan thought he had victory. Satan thought he won. He thought, I've got him. And yet, in that process of Jesus humbling himself and dying on the cross and allowing his blood, to, innocent blood to be shed for us, he completely destroyed Satan because he was able to buy back the keys of the world that he created. 
He was able to redeem it all because the innocent died for the guilty. The judgment was poured out on him and not on us. And Satan's plans were completely crushed. And he disarmed Satan. And yet Satan has still got traps out there. And he's still laying plans for destruction to take as many with him. And here in Romans chapter 16, he says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. What he's saying is, I have completely disarmed Satan, but I will use you. And your is the collective, so it's our feet, under our feet, under the body of Christ, for we are the hands and the feet of Christ, are we not? I will use you, and under your feet, I will destroy his continued plans for destruction. And I will completely crush them, that my plans can be ushered in. In Luke 10, we can read where Jesus sent out the 72 into the world and they come back and they say then the 72 returned with joy saying Lord even the demons are subject to us in your name and he said to them I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven behold I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you We need to note that this is pre-cross too. And so Jesus Christ has given them the power, sent them out with his power and authority. You and I dwell in his power and authority. You and I live in his power and authority. And so as we rise up, as we recognize our true identity, as we recognize all of that, and as we go, the God of peace will trample Satan under our feet. He uses us to do it. And that aspect is so often misunderstood and we think that Satan is only trampled under the feet of Jesus. And yet we are his tools. He uses us. And as we rest in him and grow in the knowledge of Jesus, of our identity, as you realize your righteousness, as you realize you're blessed, as you realize that you have his power, as you go, he will destroy the works and the plans of Satan under your feet. And the next verse says, or the rest of that verse says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Amen. And that's important because grace flows to the righteous. And you and I in Jesus Christ are righteous. I've said this before. There's no one more or less righteous than you and I because we have Jesus Christ's righteousness. And grace flows to the righteous. Just as electricity flows to copper and the more you comprehend how righteous you are, the more you understand your righteousness, the more you are ready to receive the grace that flows to you. And the more that you receive the grace that flows to you, the more God will use you to trample Satan's plans under your feet because you're rising up in your identity. As you recognize your identity, his grace flows to you and you, he uses you as you go to destroy the works of Satan. You see, this is a a powerful thing and it's important that you recognize and understand the rest of the book of Romans because otherwise you can read that and go, uh, I'm going to be used to trample Satan's plans. What do I have to do? What do I do in that? 
But as you journey through the book of Romans, you realize that you have to rest in Jesus Christ. You realize that you have to understand who you are in Jesus Christ. And as you rise up and as you recognize your righteousness, as you receive his grace, you cannot but be transformed. And as you are transformed, he will destroy the works of Satan. What does it mean for us here in Esperance? Imagine if you and I, if this church, if all of us combined recognized the righteousness that we have in Jesus Christ and we rose up in the new identity that we have for Jesus Christ and we receive his grace in abundance because we're aware of our true identity. Imagine if that was not just true for this church but every church here in Esperance and we recognize the power that we have in this place and we begin to speak out by the power that we have in Jesus Christ against those things that are causing destruction, against those things that are tearing down relationships, against drugs, against breakdowns in relationship, against anything that seeks to destroy. And we begin, because we know who we are in Jesus Christ through his power, we begin to stand against it and speak out against it and rest in him because of it and walk in authority. What does that mean for this town of ours? If we cast out and say division will no longer have a place in here and we usher in God's unity and we usher in his blessing and we usher in his goodness, what does that mean? It means the whole town prospers. It means we change the atmosphere of this town. It means God plan, God's plan comes in as Satan is crushed and his plans are thrown out. God's plan are ushered in and everyone here is blessed. And not only creation is crying out for that to occur, do you know what? But every person in this town, whether they know it or not, are crying out for it. Especially the people who do not know Jesus Christ. Especially the drug addicts. Especially those with broken relationships. They are crying out for people like you and me in Jesus Christ to rise up with our identity and to realize the power we have and to usher in God's plans that this town be prospered and everything here be blessed. And then imagine, if you will, people in towns far away and cities further abroad, they hear about the stories of what's going on in Esperance and the healing of relationships and the blessings in people's lives and they go... We just want to go and see it. And as they enter into our town, they sense the goodness and the power of God and their lives are transformed also. That's a vision worth living for, isn't it? And you know what? That is not only possible, but inevitable as we rise up in our identity, in who we are in Jesus Christ. And as we recognize who we are in him and as we receive his grace and his goodness and it flows through us, he will crush and destroy the plans of Satan that he has for this town. Esperance is called hope. You know what? People are desperately hoping for God's presence, for God's plans to become alive and active in this place. And where does it start? It starts with him. And it starts with us knowing who we are. One famous Bible scholar put it like this. For notice the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet. Yes, it is God that bruises, but he uses our feet to do it. 
It is God from whom the power comes, but the power works through us. And we are neither merely the field nor merely the prize of the conflict between the two, but we ourselves are a part of it. The God of peace, blessed be his name, shall bruise Satan under your feet. How awesome is that? Does that not lift your spirits? Is that not worth coming to him and worshipping him for? And then quickly we'll carry, quickly move on to verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to establish you. So to the Father who is able to establish you according to my gospel. What is the gospel? The good news of Jesus Christ. And Paul here says, you will be established by the good news of Jesus Christ and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So you are established by the gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. So don't ever fall for any other preaching or any other gospel that is other than Jesus Christ and him proclaimed. Be wise and know the division of the covenants and know that we sit in the new covenant and we are blessed in the new covenant and we are established by the new covenant, by the good news of Jesus Christ. And if you missed it the first time, he says it again the second time, and the preaching of Jesus Christ. Because the book of Romans and the new covenant is all about Jesus Christ. And we ourselves are established. And as we recognize that, then we grow in our identity, which enables God the Father to crush Satan under our feet because we are established in the good news of Jesus Christ. Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, note that word, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began. So there's a mystery here. We've been established, but there's a mystery here which has been hidden since the world began, but now made manifest, or but now made known, and by the prophetic scriptures made known to all nations, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, for the obedience to the faith. Remember that word obedience is always to the faith, and here it specifies obedience to the faith. So the mystery, Paul says there's a mystery that's been hidden for ages and for generations, for forever, but now it's been made known to us. So it's important for us to understand what is this mystery? What is this mystery? Now we can look at two places to see it clearly. One is Ephesians 3 and the second one place is in Colossians. I want to go to Colossians because in order to understand it fully in Ephesians 3 is probably another sermon in, in its entirety and I'm trying to really rush through here. But Colossians 1 verse 26 and verse 27 says this. It says the mystery which has been hidden from, generation, from ages and from generations but now has been revealed to his saints. It sounds like we're talking about the same mystery here, doesn't it? From ages and from generations it's been hidden but now it's been uh, made known, been revealed. So we're talking about the same mystery here. So let's carry on and see what it says. In verse 27 it says, To them... God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery. So it's a pretty good mystery among the Gentiles, which is, and this is the mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery is Christ in you. If you want to know who dwells in you, let's go back and look a little bit earlier in Colossians about who dwells in, who is Christ. For by him, 
Colossians 1.16, For by him, by who? By Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created. By the one who dwells in you, all things were created. And all things were created through him and for him. So Jesus Christ created all things. By him, all things were created. Through him, all things were created. And all things were created for him. And he is the one who dwells within you. And yet it doesn't stop there. If we look at verse 17, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And so without him, nothing exists. And he is the head of the body. Uh, He has preeminence. Verse 20, and by him to reconcile all things to himself, by him whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. You see, he was the creator, for by him, through him, and for him all things were created. But not only that, he's also the redeemer, for by him all things were redeemed to him. That is where we get the concept, the author and perfecter. He is the creator and the redeemer, the author and the perfecter. The author and the perfecter dwells in us. And yet, it's even more than that. In verse 19 of chapter 1, it says, For it pleased the Father that in him, for it pleased the Father that in Jesus, all the fullness should dwell. And in fact, he says it again in chapter 2. It says, chapter 2, verse 9, it says, For in him, and again talking about Jesus, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You see, in Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells, and he is in me and he is in you all the fullness of the godhead bodily is in jesus christ and he dwells within you that is the mystery which has been hidden that in the new covenant when jesus christ comes and will redeem all creation those people who believe by faith in him he will come and reside in you and his power will emanate through you you see jesus christ has blessed you and redeemed you and dwells in you. But not only that, you are now seated at the right hand of the Father in the seat of blessing in Jesus Christ. We are made complete in Jesus Christ. That is the mystery. And that is how Satan is crushed under our feet because the fullness of God resides in us and we when we rise up and know our true identity and when we realize and recognize that we are made righteous by jesus christ and we rest in him and we praise him his grace is magnified upon us and we receive more grace and you might say well that's all well and good for those people who do good stuff even when you have sinned this morning Do not dwell on the sin and focus on what is evil, but look to what is good and praise him that he has redeemed you. Because it does not matter what you do or do not do. You can be made no more or no less righteous than you are right now because it is Christ's righteousness given to you. Hallelujah. Praise God. How good is that? How good is that that we have the fullness of God dwelling in us? That is who we are. So I want to ask a question. Who here is a sinner? Who's defined as a sinner? No, none of you. 
If you are in Jesus Christ, you are not defined by sinfulness. If you are in Jesus Christ, you are defined by Him, by Jesus Christ, and you are righteous, and you are blessed, and you are redeemed, and you are a child of the living God, and you are seated at the right hand of the Father. In when you are in Jesus Christ, you cannot be defined by your past self, by the old man, but you are defined by the new creation that you are in Jesus Christ. And that is your identity. And never fall for the lie that Satan will say, you are not good enough because Jesus Christ says you are mine and you are blessed and you are good. Rise up in your new identity. Understand, may your minds be transformed and you say, I am the son and the child of the living God and that is who I am because I am blessed by him and his blood shed for me and his body laid down for me and by him I will walk in victory and by him Satan's will be, Satan will be crushed under my feet. That is who you are. That is who I am. That is who our identity is. May the God of peace Richly bestow the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ upon you. And as you go, may Christ, who has, all, has the fullness of God, the Godhead dwelling in him, shine brightly through you into every and all situations that you may reign victoriously in all things, being a blessing to all who have the pleasure of encountering you this week. Be blessed. Walk in his victory. And shine his love to this community and to those you encounter. I hope you've enjoyed this series. Uh, I certainly have. Be blessed. We're going to stand and sing, but before we do, let's just pray. Father, we want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for what we have learned about your son, Jesus Christ, and his complete and ultimate victory. We want to thank you that we find ourselves in him and he in us. And Lord, we want to thank you that we have learned our new identity, that we have learned that we are in you and we are blessed and we can no longer ever be defined as a sinner, but defined as your children, as the righteous people. Lord, may we walk in this new identity, knowing that blessing can only follow. Lord, so bless these people. Renew their minds, refresh their spirit, rejuvenate their bodies, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Please remain standing. We're about to sing the benediction. But just before we do, if anyone um, wants prayer this morning, I would love to pray for you. So I'll be just down here. And please feel free to hang around and enjoy a meal together. So let's sing. May God's blessing.